0: Ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country.
1: You ask what is our aim, I can answer in one word, victory. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up. Sport has the power to change the world. It has the power to inspire. Welcome to Lead Different the podcast about leadership and we're on our second episode of what we can learn from uh, the military the military's role in developing leaders or building leaders and uh, on this particular episode we're going to start talking about who are the military leaders you look up to and admire for their example of leadership and one of the reasons we're going to do that is we think there's some great lessons to be learned and we already off mic started discussing a number of people but i'm gonna get rick in here because he he was smiling before <laughs> saying i've got some leaders military leaders i admire and i'm gonna surprise you and so he's either gonna have some m&ms for me or he's <laughs> gonna have a name i would never i would never guess so uh let's get into it and i hope we hope you've listened to episode one it, i loved it and i and and this one i think is going to be really encouraging and exciting for you
2: well awesome i think the the first guy when i when i was thinking about this question um and it kind of surprised me, I thought about it too, was, you know, just the first president, George Washington. Oh. I think if you just look at, um, you know, him in battle, if you look at the histories of his battles, it was incredible. But I think the thing that I admired the most was he led with humility. And if you've ever been to Philadelphia and been to Constitution Hall and seen like where all the, the original capital was, you know, you go on the tour. One of the things that they said that I'll never forget is that's where the first transition of power went. Where Washington gave up power, and they said that was really the first time in history that you know power yes. was really voluntarily given up yes. without somebody dying fighting. And if you've been to Washington D.C. and you've been to the Capitol Building, you know, like he was supposed to be interned there. He's supposed to be there forever. They really worshipped him. And if you look at the top of the rotunda, you know, he's actually up there almost yeah. like a god. Yeah. And they and you know he could have been called a king, and I and I know that when it was time to do that transition he could have said you know i think i want to stay and nobody would have said anything it <laughs> That's would have, right. you know the whole thing could have been blown up right there so i think he he was the first one and i think the second one was abraham lincoln i was stationed on the uss lincoln so i got to learn a little oh, bit about yeah, it I forgot nice. he was in
1: the military so, so
2: so that made me so that made me um well just think about you know him having to keep the country together through, you know, the Civil War, like he had the vision in um, you know, the foresight and just the endurance, the the perseverance to get through that because again, that's another spot where our country almost went away. You know, he had to see he had the tough job of taking we were talking about one of Russ's favorite leaders, I'll let him talk about him, but just the generals. He had to hire generals, fire generals. Right. And he had to you know, keep the people together. And to me, it's just really sad that, you know, he didn't live too long after the Civil War to actually yeah. see what he had done, Yeah, you know, it, you
1: know. You know, I'm gonna jump in. You can you can, you can, can take my general and talk about him, you'll talk about him better than me. The thing I wanna come back to though is, cause we're, we're talking to this thing about, you know, leaders we admire, but we can also learn lessons. And one of the lessons I'm getting in my heart and head hearing you talk is that a leader has to have the willingness to give up power. That if you're really gonna be a, an effective leader, Then you have to know when people are going overboard, being focused on you, uh, uh, lifting you up to celebrity or idol status. And what you're talking about is the thing that made Washington special, that made this country to one degree what it is today, is a guy who probably learned that whole I'm smaller, that, that, that the cause is bigger than the individual. The guy had the capacity after having been in the military, and he was first in the British military before he became the leader of our military in America. He said, "Okay, I got to walk away." And something, you know, I've, I've, I'm a little, I'm, I'm familiar with him. He's, he's never been my favorite because he's a little too far away for me. I can't. Re- he's a little. His detachment makes it difficult to even grasp him today. But I think that detachment is that part of him that says, "I don't want you overly focused on me. I'm mm-hmm. not the big deal." And I listen to that, and I go as leaders, you know, secular and even spiritual leaders. We have to have the capacity to say, you know what, this is enough. I don't need to have more. And so that's that's brilliant. And with Lincoln, you 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 surprise me. Do, are you are you? Because I forgot he was in the military. <laughs> <laughs> are you saying that part of what made him able to hold the country together was some of that that uh, that that experience of knowing how to make yourself less? Or is that? Well, what I think mean? I
2: think that's it. But also too, just I think. Um, you know, being the president, you you know, you really are over, you overall in charge of the military. I think just his leadership ability to hold together, because you know, it, it just had to have been okay. it had to have been, um, crazy, just you know, half of the country saying we're going to be yeah. different,
1: yeah, and the and 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 the majority of the generals that came out of West Point went with the South. Yeah, so Luke, he, yeah, Lee, he, Lee came from yeah, West yeah, North and, North and North. They, had, they had a, ton, they got the the majority. And here, here's when you'd say that about Lincoln. Here's what I think about, right? So this is S. Grant, who was you alluded to. Then that's my boy right there. U. U S. Unconditional Surrender Grant. Um, so this is Grant. Was he? He won some of the first initial battles because they were getting their tail kicked yep. by the Confederacy, yep. like up and down the, all around. And in the West, he started to win uh, some battles and started to rise in prominence. And uh, and there was there was there was a whisper campaign against him out of competition. Uh, But uh, somebody went to Lincoln and said, hey, don't you know he drinks? Don't you know he's drunk half the time? He doesn't even hardly come out of his tent. And now these things weren't substantiated, but they were just, you know, running him down. And Lincoln, this is an example you're talking about. Lincoln, Lincoln turned to the people and he said, well, you say he drinks. And whatever he's drinking, I want to get all my other generals because he wins battles. I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's right. Lincoln going. I'm not going to be controlled by the slander by the by the by the by the competition, and and I'm going to manage this whole thing. He also managed it well because he gave politicians who didn't know anything about leading generalships in order to make sure their states came with the union. So I I think that's a great choice. Do you have one more? Or are those your top two?
2: Well, I think the the other one. Um was i think you know general colin powell you know he was more when i was growing up seeing him wow. and i think just being able to be you know the joint chief and you know and he was also um i think he was um you know there's a national security advisor yes, while he, he was still enlisted yeah um which i didn't even know you could do he was still enlisted he's still a general yeah, i think they made an exception yeah and you know and then secretary of state and you know and probably could have been, oh, yes. been president oh yeah could have been president oh yeah
1: Oh yeah, so. and there you go again, the military. He looked at his family, knew his wife was going to give it the no, <laughs> and said I can submit myself to something greater. Yep. And we all know that as married men. Mm-hmm. You can sub- Well, not every married man can do that, but <laughs> uh, I can submit myself to something greater. I'm su- I'm feeling a theme. And Lee, you look like you're biting at the bit. What do you got for us?
0: Well, uh, you know, I was thinking about um uh, two people uh in terms of of leaders. Um one was um uh, my my dad uh gosh sorry no 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 it's great um <clears throat> so my dad uh came from a small town in south texas and uh like so many people did approaching world war II, yeah they they were country people and um he he was one of uh you know four uh, brothers his dad died when they were all young his mom oh. was a widow she was a school teacher and and had to raise these four boys all yeah. four of them went into the military really and uh um you know the oldest brother didn't come back uh, oh. but the other th- the three did my dad uh, did um but, but what i appreciate about uh him was that uh he he became uh, a, a a subject matter expert he was a he became a chief petty officer very quickly because he was on the cutting edge of electronics which was new in, nope in world kidding. war 2 and he ended up running uh, a shop in uh pearl harbor where all the planes would come in, shot up, and, and his crew, in a very quick amount of time, would go through the planes, fix all their radios, their electronics, all their gear, and send them back out uh, to battle as a very young uh, leader. Wow. So he, he rose uh, through the ranks by being excellent at what he did, uh, willing to do the hard work, uh, he he did He wasn't a guy that glorified in being a leader, but mm-hmm. he became the leader of that uh, that whole crew. So um, you know, and uh, of course, I didn't uh, just follow in go in the navy because of him. I also had other uh, military relatives, but you know, he, uh, the man, the kind of uh, man that he was, uh, caused me to know that if I went in the military, I would get shaped as well.
1: Tell, tell me, tell us, tell us your dad's name. Uh, Jim Deloney. Wow, Brian. that is so inspiring because you know it's, it's an interesting thing. I, I've watched Band of Brothers, and I think it's probably—I mean, I'm you know, I wasn't there, so I can't say. But from a World War II point of view, uh, I don't think I've ever been as moved by a a the imagery uh, and the storytelling in that because what they do at the end of each episode—I think it's eight. They, ha- they have the original guys mm-hmm. come on and talk. And it's humbling because you sit there even today and you look at our country and you're like, seriously, we're doing this when these guys did that? Right. And you just feel really kind of embarrassed that you know, you're know just hoping those guys that are still alive, I think there's some that are still alive, aren't just shaking their head the whole time. But when I watched that, the thing that impacted me and when I hear you talk about your dad, Jim, Jim, yeah. I, 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 I'm so happy you brought him up because when I was watching the movie, I was blown away by these small towns these guys came from. Right. And the fierceness with which they defeated the country. And even today, they say that the large percentage of people who go into the military are from our small towns. Right. And sometimes we don't appreciate the fact that there's a legacy there that is as equally as important as a, a Harvard, Stanford or pick your school uh, legacy that is, has made this country what it is today. And sometimes I think that uh, we can forget that. So I think it's important to tell the story, and it's also inspiring when you can when you can think about your dad that way. With my dad, who was in the army, I always saw the army as a negative, not the not not the, I'm sorry, not the army, but the experience he had in the army as a negative, because he was playing, he was just about to make it in the Negro Baseball League, and he'd been told he'd be starting second baseman, and he got drafted, right, and went in the army and never played baseball again. So I always associated that with you know, uh, a, a, a negative, he never did. He never said anything like that. He didn't I didn't talk about that that much. He was stationed in Germany and then he fought during the Korean War. But all his brothers were there, right? And I think there are five of them. And I've got a picture of all of them. And I've thought about that a lot lately because I go, you know, that's what they were doing for the country. Right. And I look around and I go, we almost need more history like that to realize, again, these people like your dad Put their life on the line, making sure that we had people being defended. And in Pearl Harbor, I mean, just being in Pearl Harbor, I'm just wow, that's incredible. He's a good one. He's kind of top of the list because it's personal. So we're that's making personal, him, we're yeah. making him number one right uh, yeah, now. Well, we're sorry yeah. about General Patton and Ulysses <laughs> S. Grant. They're going to get bumped down a little bit. Yeah. But uh, you got another one for us?
0: Well, I, I would. One of the things I was thinking about yeah. as we were talking is that. Um, even within military leadership, you need different kinds of, of leaders. Oh, good. Let's talk and, about and, that. you know, Some, some leaders uh, – when we were off mic, we were talking about how uh, Patton was such a powerful tactical uh, leader uh, in, in battle, whereas uh, Eisenhower was uh, brilliant in his ability to orchestrate all the political and logistical – uh, forces uh, that were necessary to bring countries together and still get the job done. So there's different kinds of leaders. And uh, uh, one a very unique uh, leader who, um, you know, was inspiring to me was uh, Admiral uh, Hyman G. Rickover. So I've Admiral, heard of him, but I don't know anything. So Admiral Hyman G. Rickover was the father of uh, the nuclear submarine. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he started the whole nuclear navy. And uh Admiral Rickover, uh, I, I got to interview with him personally because um, he made a, a commitment to the country that he would personally interview any officer that would ever be in charge of running a nuclear power you plant. You are
1: kidding.
0: And he told that to Congress and he proceeded for the next 45 years to personally interview what? every officer because he he wanted Congress to know – Because realize when he introduced nuclear power and nuclear submarines in the early 50s, this was so close to World War II. People were thinking of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. They were thinking of nuclear – anything nuclear as being something that was going to be so dangerous. Right. That they could have a meltdown in in San Diego where the ship was or the submarine was. And so uh, he was an engineer and he instilled a culture – of excellence, which uh, was um, you know almost too much uh, in terms of what he expected out of his officers and his enlisted men who became nuclear or, or nuclear trained, and so he he continued to run that program uh, for decades beyond when most people are retired because that he had is, such a passion so for inspired. it, and you, you know uh, he was he was that. Uh, good at organizing and creating a a culture of excellence excellence and understanding the engineering um, uh, things that it it took uh, right down to every little bolt and screw had a pedigree for Mm -hmm. going into the nuclear power plant each bolt had its own what you could track you know by number because it had to have the highest quality of of materials so that it sort of wouldn't melt or corrode or break or whatever. Those kinds of standards were were unique that he all introduced. So he's a very different kind of of leader. He was an engineer, he was someone that built a program. He was uh he wasn't an inspirational guy. Uh he Sounds he,
1: like he inspired you. Well, he's inspiring me right now. Yeah. <laughs> he did. He can, did. Can I can I just I, so so there's man I'm, I'm you know, I think we're just going to have to make this a consistent podcast. Because there's just no way that I can get all my questions answered. And so I appreciate you guys taking the time to come in. We'll just figure it out. We'll, we'll figure it out. And maybe we'll get a couple of other our friends in here. But I, 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 I want to say uh, two things. I'll say the, the second thing first so I don't forget. I want to take, in our time we have together, I want to take a little bit of time and just, you know, you, we've all been part of different organizations together and, and nonprofit uh, uh, organizations and all that. And maybe we'll talk talk a little bit about, you know, how, based on what we've seen, how those organizations can work together better as leaders. Maybe we can talk about that without mentioning any names of organizations. Just say, hey, here's some things that maybe we can think about that would make us work together better. But I want to I I I I show you how all this comes together. So um, one of my, you know, best friends, and you guys know him, uh, Scott Colvin's married to Margo Colvin, but Margo's maiden name is Stevenson. And uh, who are the guys who run the nuclear subs? What's the rank?
0: Well, the by the time you're a captain of a nuclear sub, you're usually a a commander.
1: Okay, so um, her dad, Hap Stevenson, was a you know a a captain of a nuclear sub. Right. Um, So
0: captain, you can be a captain of a tiny ship and be a lieutenant. lieutenant. did not did have it, the
1: rank of captain. Right. I think he was a. I don't, so he I mean, might
0: have had the rank of captain as well. You, he, he might yeah, have he, a, a large n- nuclear ballistic Trident submarine. He might have had a. He might have been. He's a, pretty much a, a, a legend, and he's
1: pretty much a legend there. Okay, I was on a plane coming from uh, some place in Asia. It Could have been Thailand. I can't remember where I was coming from. Got on the plane, and I got uh, I got lucky. I got bumped up to uh, business class, and uh, I was happy because I could sleep better and i was like you know because back then i was flying all the time, so i had all those miles and you know i was like always trying to finagle something because you're just dying and i sat down on my seat next to the guy and we started talking and uh i said he, he asked me what i what i did and i gave him the two or three different things that i do <laughs> and then uh and then i said what do you do he goes oh i uh, i build nuclear subs i go what <laughs> he goes yeah my my company builds nuclear subs i go, you gotta be kidding me and I said, I actually know a guy who captained a nuclear sub. And uh, he goes, who's that? He goes, he goes, Hap Stevenson. He goes, oh, I know him. That guy's, or at least I know of him. He's a legend. I saw Braveheart when it opened. That's an old classic with Hap and Scott. And <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you, he uh, he is, and he lives in, uh, well, I probably shouldn't say where he lives, but uh, south, down that in, in, in southern direction. Um, but he, uh, just to sit with him and I've done it a few times and asked questions about leadership, his every breath feels like an, a leadership education. <laughs> I mean, his every breath. It's like he just breathes and you're just like, oh, I just learned something about leadership. So I assume he was interviewed. He by, was. Uh, he
0: was personally interviewed by Admiral Rickover. I so, guarantee you that. So
1: we've got six degrees or less of separation. <laughs> and uh, and I'll, one way or another, it would be really great for you to be able to talk to him. But so – I, I kinda wanna I wanna I wanna kinda close this one out. This is really great and I think we're gonna just need to do more of these and i am gonna come up with I've got a million military related questions, culture. I've I've st- studied it a lot, but it's like football. I've studied a lot, never played. Um when you mention tactical, strategic, and I would call Rick Over, is that how you say his name? He sounds like a, a builder. Right, he's a right? builder. Right? And and when you mention those, what is that? What can we learn from that? Say in organizations we've been a part of that we could do better as as leaders, as far as it seems like people know their role, know why their role is important, and know how to stay out of each other's way. Which I can't say I'm good at that. <laughs> I'm trying, but know how to stay out of each other's way. Can you guys make a few comments on on how that works with off? And you were you were you know you, you your perspective is a little different, Rick, because you have I'm sure there's a management of people above you that has to occur for you to do your job. Lee alluded to it before where there are guys that are like, hey, stay out of my space. You don't necessarily rank above the guy, but you know more than the guy knows about that particular subject. Can you guys just say a little bit in closing about how teams of leaders can work together effectively? Maybe I can put in a better question because I think I'm being a little bit, you know, all over. I was talking to some guys a couple weeks ago, and I said, well, I really think this particular organization doesn't, necessarily have to have a head just one guy over everything it could function as team leadership and one of the people said that never works and I, I don't agree with that of course uh, I don't think that's true I, I think there are lots of people who have failed to execute on team leadership but failure to execute does not mean it doesn't work um, but give me your comments you may even think that team leadership doesn't work but tell me your comments on what you think organizations can learn about working together and knowing your spot, tactical, strategic, builder, whatever you want to call it. Can you make a few comments on that before we close?
0: I would say, um, I'll go back to an earlier comment, which is is that you really have to know your your mission and be clear on the mission. And once you know the mission, then it enables you to play your role knowing that you're no less important Important than anybody else that's there, and I, I think that y- you know um, within an organization, um, it's it's just ridiculous to think that any any one leader would be competent in all of the aspects of running that organization. Um, right now, uh, I, I, I'll, here's another leader uh, is. Um, the director of the Palo Alto Healthcare system, mm-hmm. 5,000 employees in 10 locations across the central swath Five of California, thousand? 5,000 uh, nurses and, and nursing assistants and LVNs and doctors and psychiatrists and social workers and maintenance workers and people that, that sterilize the rooms. And um, uh, I, I really appreciate him as a leader. He started As a uh, a nursing assistant, just changing people's diapers and feeding them and whatever, and he has worked his way in the VA all the way to be the director of this healthcare system. Amazing! And he is the first to 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 say, um, almost every time that we're together, that um, you know, to acknowledge the unique roles that the various leaders that work and people that work for him. Uh, play, but leaders even amongst themselves, yeah. and and uh, and just really uh, building them up for what they're what they do. Uh, the it, without the logistics chief, um, then nobody can operate on anybody, <laughs> and you know without uh, the nurse that's going to provide the care afterwards, uh, you know the patient that a brilliant operation was done on is going to die anyway. You yeah. know? So he, he's really good at uh, at helping people to feel great about the role that they play uh, within the organization because everyone understands the mission is to take care of those right. that have, have laid their lives on the line for the country. Everyone understands that mission. He talks about
1: it all the time. I'm going to put you in an awkward spot, but I'm going to say it anyway. So I mentioned reading uh, the book, uh, I think, Brothers and Rivals. Um, I think it's Patton, Eisenhower, and Bradley. And in the book, one of the things I learned, and I'm a little subjective on this point, but I think it is borne out by history. One of the things I learned is that Patton was probably our greatest general in World War II if it came to fighting, when it came to fighting, but not necessarily when it came to winning what i mean by that the whole war that bradley was much more uh stable much more um what's the word humble i guess is the word self-effacing would probably be a better description of that uh, eisenhower too uh, and that one of the dilemmas was that uh, Patton was very flashy um uh, uh um You know, domineering. You know, pearl-handled pistols. The the had, he was he was wealthy. People didn't know that very wealthy. So he had his uniforms and different things customized or made in different ways. And the tendency is when you look at it, World War Two is to go, man, yeah, you know, I want to be Patton. I remember when I saw that movie first. I want to be Patton, right? <laughs> and I I still love Patton, but when I, after I read Brothers and Rivals, I went, wow, the most the most the most effective general. Overall, were Bradley and Eisenhower when you look at effective. That doesn't say I'm not trying to disparage Patton. I'm just going, it, it, I, it but, but it took the whole for them to work because when they ran into a jam and they needed somebody to win, I, and they protected Patton. Patton got himself into more junk. I didn't even know more <laughs> junk. And Eisenhower and Bradley knew we can't win without this guy. So when you said about the logistics chief, we can't win without the guy who can take a group in a battle that's ragged, like you said, and beat down and turn him into a fighting machine. Right. We can't win with that guy. But at the same time, we can't keep peace with Russia with that guy. <laughs> so we got to keep him away from the Russians because he's ready, he's ready to start World War III right. today. And, and so as I listen to you talk, I go, that that must happen because they all understand the mission. And Patton was able to submit the Eisenhower, who started out his jun- as his junior um, uh, because he recognized the mission is to win the war, not to see who's the best general or gets the most you right. know, victories or whatever. Um, and so I, 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 I love what you're talking about. And I think what I'm compelled by is to get people to listen to this podcast and begin to understand a the theme, both you and Rick have run all the way through, which is people's capacity to say this, I'm not bigger than this mission. Right. And mm-hmm. when I understand I'm not bigger than this mission, whether you're the guy who is quote unquote in charge or not, because if the guy like the director of the Palo Alto uh, healthcare, better, system, healthcare yeah. system, he understands because of where he came from, I'm not bigger than the guy who cleans the room. Right, And that if a leader can remember that, that would keep us all out of a lot of trouble. Would you add anything, Rick, that you're thinking about on that?
2: I mean, I think to add, you know, I have seen that successfully successfully. The management, that that style, you know, I think where I'm working at right now, our CEO, like, he wants us to, like, if we see something that's wrong, needs to be changed. He has an open door. You know, granted, there there still needs to be somebody on charge that makes the final, final decision. Yeah. But, you know, I've worked at a couple places that were very successful, and those guys always had that same mentality that, you know, you hire the best people, you know, you listen to them.
1: You listen to them, right. And so you're basically saying that look leadership in some ways is about decision making not control it's about saying can I empower remove obstacles and yes at the end of the day the the leader or man or woman in charge really shouldn't look at it as I'm in charge because I'm going to tell everybody what to do and decide everything but I'm going to I'm going to manage my team and then I I'm going back at book Brothers and Rivals with Eisenhower Patton would come in and go, I gotta have this many tanks, I gotta have this many soldiers, give me so and so soldiers, he's not doing anything with them, I can get us I'll have you in this city. I mean, it was just a wonder to listen to the guy talk in, 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 in the, in the language of the book, and he'd be like, I'll get you this, I can get you there, and, and Eisenhower would know it. But on occasions, I would have a go, no, because if I let you have those troops, then so-and-so can't win this. Then England doesn't feel victory. I think it was Montgomery. Then England doesn't feel the victory. And so you're just going to have to suck it up and accept the fact that he's going to get, Monty's going to get there before you because that's what's needed to get the job done. Mm -hmm. So he's making the decision, but he's not doing everything. Uh, This has been a wonderful podcast. I'm inspired. I can't wait to listen to it. And I don't say that about every podcast (laughs) that we do. I can't wait to listen to it because there's so many insights. I hope you guys will come back. I thank you for your time. Obviously, thank you for your service. And I thank everybody out there for their service who's been in the military, people like uh, Jim Deloney, Chief Petty Officer Jim Deloney, who fought for us in World War II. And I hope some of you out there, maybe if you started listening to this podcast and you had a view of the military that was maybe incorrect, that this gave you a different view of the military and what it's done, not only in times of war, not only what it does in in, in the military organization as an institution itself, but also what people post-military are doing in organizations all around the country to save, help, uh, and, and care for people. So we'll see you again on Lead Different. Have a wonderful week.
2: Thank you for listening to Lead Different. And thanks again to Lee and Rick for coming on the show. Make sure to take a moment to leave us a five-star rating and write us a review. We'd really appreciate it. Feel free to share our leadership content with others. A special thank you to all those who have served in the military. We'll see you next time.